1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. You probably know my next guest, Allie Webb, as the co founder of Drybar, the whimsical salon that made blowout history when they crashed onto the scene, scaling to 150 plus locations across the US, teeming with product lines and buzz. And while Allie has graced the covers of today's most esteemed business and beauty publications and lent her expertise on the hit show Shark Tank, Allie's gift to the world isn't her celebrity, but it's in her realness and the way in which she unapologetically and authentically sheds light on her life experiences, even the messy parts. Yes, she's an extremely successful entrepreneur and investor, but yes, she's also a woman who survived a public divorce and found love on the other side. She's a mom who bravely and full-heartedly sent her son to rehab, and she's a person who loves to give back and finds value in not only how well her ventures do, but how they make people feel, how she makes people feel, and she's in my heart. Welcome, Ms. Allie Webb. What an intro. Goodness. (laughs) Thank you. That is you. So let's jump right in. Allie, you turned entrepreneur in 2010 when you co-founded Dry Bar with your brother, Michael Lando, and your then husband, Cameron Webb. How yes. did you find hair? Because I think right before that, you were working for Nicole Miller, right? Opening her stores, and then you trained under the amazing John Sahag, rest in peace. We both had him in common because he was my hairdresser. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you were even working there then. So what what did you learn with Nicole? Did did it teach you something? Because once you were with John, you saw a need and you knew you could fill it. So what were the elements that made this all take off? How did you lean into your brother and Cameron with this? Tell us a little bit about the background.
0: Yeah, well, all the things you mentioned, the Nicole Miller error, John Zahog, my brother. I mean, it was like, it's so funny looking back on it. I grew up in South Florida. So like land of frizzy hair. And my hair is kind of like what it looks like right now. It's curly. And my son actually, my 16 year old son has the curliest hair. And he's like, mom, your hair is not curly. I'm like, it used to be more, but you know, in South Florida, it was so big and frizzy more than anything. And I just, and unmanageable. And you know, I think that that seed was planted in me and I just was forever in awe as a kid growing up of like, I think maybe we're about the same age, but it was like, Christy Brinkley and Cindy Crawford and those models with this like voluptuous, but straight, but amazing hair. And I was like, how in the world does their hair look like that? And, you know, I was like a kid and I didn't understand how it worked. And then I, I got a job at a hair salon as a receptionist when I was like 15, which was like the greatest job I ever had. And I loved the salon world and culture and they blew up my hair for free. and And so it was like always in me. And after high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And All my friends like had majors in college, and I was like, I don't really want to be in college, and so I didn't go. I mean, I went for a minute, but I didn't go to class. And I moved to New York City, and I moved to New York City twice. When I was about eighteen, I moved to New York, and that was when I was thinking I wasn't, still wasn't paying attention to like this hair thing that was going on for me. I was wanting to be in fashion. My parents had their own clothing stores when I was growing up, even though it was like old lady fashion. I just thought that's what I wanted to do, and I've always loved clothes and. And so I was like, I think I want to be a stylist, like a fashion stylist. And I moved to New York and I, I worked for Cynthia Raleigh for a little while. And then I worked, you know, my brother ended up, you know, he's a couple of years older than me, Michael, and he ended up working for Nicole Miller Corporate. And he's like, I could get you a job at the Soho store. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. You know, and I just was lost. And so I did that for a while and that was kind of fun. And and then Michael and I decided to move back to South Florida where we grew up and open Nicole Miller Boutique. So if you have, you know, if you have any knowledge of like South Florida, we grew up in Boca and then Miami is about a 45 minute drive. It's kind of like LA to OC, you know? Right. So we opened this store in Meisner Park in Boca Raton and I was basically running the store. And then we opened another one in Miami and I was like, you know, all of 21 and I was running a Nicole Miller boutique. We bought like, it was kind of like a franchise, but more like licensing. And we bought the rights to South Florida. We, we were, it was operating. I was running back and forth between these stores and I just was not happy. And I was like, this is not it for me, you know? And, and Michael and I were actually like fighting a lot. And I think as both of us just didn't love what we were doing, you know, the opportunity was cool. And, and we have such entrepreneurial blood. And, you know, my brother was like, you know, Nicole Miller was really hot back then. This was like yeah. 30 years ago. Totally. And she was a really big designer and a big deal. And so we thought it was really cool. And then when we were like in the, the the nuts and bolts of it, I just, yeah. it wasn't working. And that was really when I decided like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, I don't right. want to do this. I don't want to go back to school. The only thing I really love is hair. And so that's when I like, you know, kind of with my tail between my legs, went to my parents and was like, I think I want to go to beauty school. Yeah. And they were like, what? You know, and they, <laughs> you know, kind of turned their nose down on it. And they were kind of like, really? And, I was like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I think I want to move back to New York and I want to like do editorial and I want to do like fashion shows. And that was what I had in my brain. And that's what I thought I would do. And then they did pay for me to go to beauty school, which is, you know, not, it's like a fraction, obviously of what college costs, but it was like, I walked into beauty school on the first day and was like, I love this. You know, these are my people. I loved everything about it. And so I finished beauty school. I worked for a great guy in Boca who taught me so much. And I I point that out because it's an, it's an important thing to like think about as you're like, you know, for people who are listening who are like on your path, you know, it's like, you just don't know what all these different jobs that you take as you build are, you know, and working for John Peters in Boca was like such a blessing in disguise because he was the owner of a salon. And I saw him dealing with all the issues that come up in salons in addition to learning how to do hair Right. And then I moved to New York and John Zahag was like the only person I wanted to work for. And he had the guy I worked for, John Peters, was like, there, there's just nobody better. Right. If you, if you can work for John Zahag, go do it. And so like landing that job as an assistant. And at that time I was licensed and on the floor in South Florida, but I did not, you know, I went back to, when I went to John Zahag, I was an assistant round again. So, zero. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, they were so good and he was so, so good. good and it was like the thrill of a lifetime. And I think like landing that job, even though it was just an assistant job, just felt like, oh, man, I made it. You had it- made it. Yes. You had
1: arrived. I mean, he was the precision haircut. I mean, he was the hair pioneer of, the of that. He yeah. was. And what a great personality. And I'm sure you
0: remember cause you went there like the two big greyhounds that would like lay around him all day. Yeah. Yeah. And I had the very humble job of walking those dogs down Madison Avenue, which, you know, you can do the math on that. It was pretty humbling. But anyway, so I, you know, I I did that for a while and then I, you know, and then I jumped around, you know, like a true 20 year old. And I I worked in PR for a little while, you know, I worked for Rogers and Cowan, which I'm sure, you know, and my boss at the time was like representing like Janet Jackson and Paul McCartney and Jennifer Lopez. And it was this crazy world that I was living in and it was fun, you know, and I, I loved it. And I'd kind of put hair on the side. And even though I'd spent all these years, I was like, well, I'm gonna do something else now, which everybody right. thought I was crazy. And so I did that for a while. And that was really where I learned how to like be professional. You know, I like I had yeah. to send emails and I had to learn how to write press releases and stuff that I'd never had any experience in. So that was also a really important, you know, step on my ultimate journey. And and then I met my now ex-husband, Cam, in New York. And we he worked in advertising and he's just a creative genius. And the only places he could really work were New York, LA or San Francisco. So right. we moved from New York to San Francisco for a year. It was a terrible year. And then we moved to LA and I, you know, had my babies who are now 14 and 16, almost 17. Um, I just turned 17. I was oh, six. My, oh my, gosh. <laughs> my boy's turning 17 in January. And I, and we're like, we're figuring out like getting him a car right now. And I'm like, cannot believe we're getting him a car it's so yeah. weird yeah it's just such a trip because i he remember jack's a car and that it really it moves the needle
1: so quickly that responsibility of owning a car driving a car getting from point a to point b like it like that that switch from 16 to 17 even 15 to 16 really that to me was like the huge yeah
0: wow Grant (laughs) Grant was lagging a little and because of his whole like you know with rehab and all the stuff he went through he was like he's a little behind but now he's ready to go which is just so weird Anyway, so I was a stay at home mom. We were living in LA and I loved LA and it was much better than San Francisco, in my opinion. I liked the weather better and it was just, we lived in Santa Monica and I could, you know, walk everywhere and I just loved it. And I was a stay at home mom for about five years when Grant and Kit were three and five. I was like, I got to do something. I am like losing my mind, you know? I felt like I, while I loved and adore my children and I loved that I had the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom, which is in and of itself like such a luxury, I just felt like I needed something for myself again. And then it was like, it was like a reinvention, like, well, what am I going to do? I don't want to go work at a hair salon. Like, I don't, I didn't know what to do. And then I, you know, the entrepreneurialness of me kicked back in and I was like, I should start a mobile blowout business because it's easy I don't need to have a setup with like scissors. I never did color. I mean, I cut hair, but I just I loved I always loved getting through a haircut right. when I was cutting hair in a salon to the blowout because that's when it, you know, it really came to life I'll and when we got together. excited. And and so I started this mobile business and I was only charging forty dollars, which was like nothing as you know nothing for a blow dry and at home, right? Especially, I mean yes. you know, people are you know charge upwards of like you know, $150, dollars for an at-home blowout and Oh yeah. Easy. Right. And so I I was like, I kind of knew that, but I more was like, I just want to be busy. I want this to be worth it. I want to get out of the house for a couple hours. I would, you know, and by the time like I paid for a babysitter or preschool or wherever my kids were the $40, it's like I was making and gas. And now you were at a deficit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was very, yeah. I was probably at a deficit, but it was, obviously it was, you know, it wasn't about the money as much of it was about like doing something for myself. And so you know, that business really, you know, would inform what became Drybar because I, you know, realized, you know, and it just, it just all happens organically. I realized that like, oh, I get, I've gotten really busy charging only $40 because, you know, even if you can afford $150 for someone to come to your house, it's like, you're not going to do that often. It's so, I mean, you know, once a week, a hundred, that's, that's a lot of money. You'd rather do three blow dries in a week
1: for 150 bucks. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so I realized like, man, there's no option for women to get a great blowout in, in like a cool space. Yeah. In a, an affordable price. And that's when I, you know, as my business was getting busier, I, you know, I started talking to my brother again and I was like, you know, I think that there might be something here. And I think that we could open again, it was a very small little dream. Like I could yeah. open one little shop and instead of, cause I was too busy to get to all my clients in a day and driving and all that, that it I was like, open one shop I could, you know, have my clients come to me instead of me going to them. And, you know, my brother like was like, an interesting idea. He's like, why don't, why don't women blow out their own hair? I'm like, well, they're just, they just can't do it as well. And his wife who had like stick straight hair, he was like, I don't get it. I'm like, you did grow up with me and my like frizzy, you know, crazy hair. But you know, he just, as a guy, was like kind of clueless about it. Like most men were about this business, which has been so interesting and funny to me, but you know, he was like, I, you know, I think that maybe there's something here. And and Cam, my ex-husband, you know, he was like, I feel like this is like the next nail salon. He's like, yeah. you get your nails done once a week and I he's like, honestly, I barely notice. But when you get your hair blown out, it's like the first thing I notice about you. He's like, I think this is this will kill it. And and as an advertising guy, he was always pretty negative about most things. So, right. and ideas, you know. Right. So You know, I had like, they liked the idea. I was excited about it. And so, you know, we kind of started on this journey and and decided to, to go for it. And Cam was like, you know, building the website after he was done. He was a creative director at this agency called Secret Weapon. He was doing like Jack in the Box and Mercedes. Like he was doing big shit. And then he'd get home. We have the little kids. Once we got the kids to bed, like at nine o'clock at night until 12 o'clock at night, he's working on the website. And and the three of us are learning how to work together. And, you know, and then we opened the first store in February, 2010. And you know? And by
1: 2019, there were over 125 locations with styling tools and products to boot. Crazy. You wrote a New yeah. York Times bestseller. You launched a podcast, which was then initially you launched it with bro- your brother, Michael. You're now doing that with Adrian, and we're going to get into that, right? So yeah. first you, and then you became a, a guest shark yeah. on Shark Tank. That's I mean, so like you think. were cooking as an entrepreneur, successful. Thriving, growing into new ventures that even you began after Dry Bar, which we're going to get into a little bit later in the podcast. But, Ali, your bottom fell out, right? Like to That's the right. world, it could have looked like you were flying, but in fact, did it feel like you were dying? Because when I started to do some of the math, you and your partners sold Dry Bar at the very time you and your husband were divorcing. Yes. I mean, holy shit girl like can we please yeah. just peel back this onion a little bit
0: <laughs> well you know it is funny i mean it's like we were so i mean you know i i don't know you know i think i think most of us like you know we got married when we were like around 25 26 and and like now i see people get married at that age and i'm like don't do it you know like you just don't know who you are yet And when I met Cam, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty driven person. And when I want something, like I'm pretty much, I go for it. And I was like, I remember so, so distinctly at that time in my life, I was like, I want to find a man. I want to have babies. Like I wanted that so badly. And, you know, and in retrospect, it's so crystal clear to me that like, we shouldn't have gotten married. Like we weren't really what we, what, what it should have been, but like, he's amazing. I knew he'd be a great dad. I knew he'd be a great you know, partner and all the things, but I also knew deep down that like, we didn't have what I now know is this like just amazing love that I, you know, that I now have with Adrian that I didn't even know existed. I mean, we had, we were best friends and we got along, we had fun together, but there was like a real lack of intimacy and it just wasn't right, but we really liked each other. And I still like, I adore him and we're, I love him. I mean, mean, you're
1: still, not only are you, you know, you sold Dry Bar together, but you're also still in business together. You have obviously two children. We're going to get into some of the things that you've had to cope with together. I love to explore new wine, but don't want to be disappointed and waste money on an expensive bottle I'm not going to enjoy. So I found myself buying the same old thing until I found First Leaf. First Leaf Wine Club custom curates award-winning wines selected by you and delivers them straight to your door. Just pop the cork, give your glass a swirl, and let them know what you think. The more wines you rate, the better they know which bottles to send next. They sample about 10,000 wines a year across five continents and 12 countries, selecting only the best for the club, working directly with producers, eliminating the middleman and the markup, which means as members, We get to drink great wines for a lot less. You start by taking a simple five minute quiz that helps match you to the wines that are ripe for you to try. There are no contracts or cancellation fees. And if you're not happy with a wine you receive, just let them know and you'll get credit toward your next shipment. From the wine in your box to your delivery schedule, First Leaf lets you design your perfect membership. I love getting my First Leaf shipments. They come with beautiful newsletters and individual descriptions about each bottle included. I'm discovering and sharing new wines that I would have never tried. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for just $29.95 and free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash inmyheart. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash inmyheart for six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Here's a toast to first. May you enjoy them with the people you love from the first sip to the last. Try firstleaf.com/inmyheart. Now back to my show. Sometimes I look down the nose of aging, you know, I look down the nose of wisdom and I find myself cynical sometimes. You yeah. know, like when I see a very young couple, like in your early twenties talking about getting married, I'm like, don't rush. You know, you have your whole yeah. life ahead of you and yeah. stay with kids and that sort of thing. But I also look at what you guys did together is I call that success. Yeah. Uh, even though you ended in divorce, you had success yeah. in your relationship, your two beautiful children, you had a young marriage together, and now you've been able to sustain a partnership which can
0: sometimes be a lot more important than a marriage. I mean, it's so true. I mean, now, you know, it's an interesting place to be in with him now because we've been separated and divorced, whatever, for almost four years now. And and until we've, you know, we've we've gone through a lot. We've come a long way. But like, even just like last week, me and Adrian, who's my fiance, Grant, Kit, Cam, and, and his girlfriend, we all went to dinner together. And, you know, we had such a nice time. And afterwards, like we all kind of texted and we're like, you know, it's... We didn't. We didn't have to do a dinner together socially, but we enjoy each other's company. And like, I miss Cam on a lot of levels. Like, I really like him as a person. He's a he's a really fun guy. The things that I loved about him and fell in love with him, like, are still things that I like about him. You know. And and luckily, we got past a pretty rough spot, which was you know, it's you know, severing a marriage is you know, you know, it, it is. It took it put me into such. I mean, when you said the bottom fell out, it's so. It's so funny. My phone is ringing right now and it's actually. I know. I thought, you know, I really wanted to divorce. I thought this was like the right thing for both of us. Like, we weren't happy. You know, we there was so much not working and we were so distracted for so many years with Dry Bar and the kids that we weren't really paying attention to it. And when things right. started to slow down a little for me, I was like, oh shit. And I think it was also. My parents got divorced when they are in their 50s. And you know, my mom died about five years ago, and she never found anybody again. And you know, they got divorced when they were, like I said, in like their 50s. And I was like, I just feel like I need to like for me and for him, like, I don't, I think there's more. I think there's more out there, and I'm and I feel like I have to do this. And but what was really shocking, and what where 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 like I felt so face down was like I was like, I want to do this, this is the right thing. I'm gonna get on my own. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but oh, I right. fell into such a depression and I couldn't understand why. I know it seems probably pretty simple. It's was like the marriage ended, but I wasn't upset necessarily about the marriage ending. I wanted the marriage to end, but then I was like, Oh shit, I'm a single mom. And I have to navigate all these things that I've been navigating with this partner for like the, the uh, better half of my life, like 17 years and that's gone. And at the time when Cam and I first separated, it was tough, and he and it, we weren't cordial. I mean, we were we were we were trying to figure out how to do this new dance, and and so, you know, he wasn't my support system anymore, and I didn't have that. I had my friends and whatever, but you know, my mom had died the year before, and so I was like, oh my god, and I felt so alone, and I felt so scared, and I was like, oh my god, I have to do this by myself. And it, and I just, it just like, I sunk into this depression that was so surprising to me. And, you know, and I went to onsite and I did all this work on myself, but, and I remember people saying to me, it's like, well, I mean, somebody brilliantly said to me once, and I'm sure people said this to me before, but it sunk in at that exact time when I needed to hear it, there was like, your husband held an energy and space for you that nobody holds anymore. So that is a kind of black hole in your life that you're needing to like refill and you will eventually one way or the other. But right now it's not. So it feels like a death, which was also very like, this is not a death. Nobody died. Like, what are you talking about? You know, all that stuff would not penetrate for me. And so I was just really sad. And and I think I was like scared of being alone forever. But then I was like, well, I think I need to be okay alone. And so it was like that craziness, like right. bouncing around in my head. And and it just, you know, and not to mention you know, because we worked so close together at the time we were sharing an office, a creative office in studio city and our other dry bar office was in Irvine. And I couldn't go to the office anymore because things were too contentious with us at that time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, what, what, just happened? Like my, like talk about the bottom filling out is the perfect way to put it. Cause it was just like professionally, like things were starting to change a lot at dry bar. And like, I, we weren't together anymore. I didn't like, Physically nowhere to go, and then emotionally and mentally, I was like all around. it was like it was right. Yeah, hard. I mean,
1: I, I look at it because, I mean, first of all, making the decision to, to sell the business and and focus on other businesses, which, by the way, congratulations. I mean, Helen of Troy is an incredible company. It's an incredible, um, you know, acquisition. But yeah. at the time that this thing that you had built together was flying and burgeoning like you guys weren't surviving and I, you know I know a lot of women both in positions of, of power and not often come to a point in their lives where we just feel like we're in last place all the time like i you know i'm a working mother of two at home and i work from home and things like that and sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm in last place as a mom and it's hard to feel, be heard or feel valued, you know, and as an entrepreneur, we never stop. Right. So I'm working all the time as an entrepreneur. I've got teenagers who don't really care much about me. You know, (laughs) my husband and I are pivoting now. He's working kind of in New York city. I'm more in the Berkshires, you know, because of the virus. And, you know, something that you said really like, it clicked with me. It's just like we never really get to do what makes us feel good. Even though, like, being an entrepreneur, I love my business, but I find myself sometimes as an entrepreneur doing the pieces of the business that aren't supposed to be my piece, right? Like yeah. the things that I love, right? right? So, like, you've learned somehow to. Really lean into what makes you feel good and fills you up versus depleting you. Were like, were you feeling depleted like I have
0: been at that time? too? Totally. I mean, it, you know, I think that like the, I, I was experiencing so much burnout with the business because yeah. you know I was we were going at a breakneck speed, which was like you know r- really exciting, and and there was so much adrenaline and there was so much you know, like all the things you said in your introduction, you know, it was like very intoxicating and, you know, and all the opportunities that were coming my way. And like, you know, I was definitely at the forefront of like this entrepreneurial, like business leaders, like having their moment. And, and so all of that stuff was really exciting that I wasn't, you know, it was just like everything else was kind of on the back burner. And, and, and it did take me, you know, a while to like be comfortable with slowing down and be comfortable with like, wait a second, what what, what am I doing? And I was at this crazy speed, you know, and I think that's why, you know, when I, and I had literally gotten, I'm I'm in the process of writing like a memoir and I'm going to put all of this in the book, but like, I was, I was literally the week, the week that we decided to end our marriage, the week before I had, I, I was on this crazy like press tour. It was like a week long where I was going from Nashville I was doing a bunch of press and TV shows and stuff in Nashville. And then I was like hosting Miss America. It was so fucking random. And I was just <laughs> doing all this crazy stuff and I was on the road. And I think I was like, you know, in the thrust of all these things that were, were fun and exciting. And then I like, and then I came home and I crash. was like crash. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know where I am and what I'm doing and what I want. And that was when, you know, and I, And I was like, you know, starting to like, you know, I never cheated on camera or anything, but I was starting to feel like attracted to other men all the time. And I was like, what is happening? You know? And, and it was just this, like, now looking back, I know it was like this rebirth that was happening for me that I needed to like take control. And I'm like, I'm, it was, it was so painful and so hard for like a good year. Like to the point where I was like, I don't, I just like, I can't, I don't know if I can go on. I mean, I got like really, really like rock bottom, but yeah. I'm so grateful for having gone through that because I, you know, even my brother jokes around and calls me like Alley 2.0 now because I softened yeah. so much in that process because I was just on this like treadmill for so yeah. many years. And finally I was like, yeah. I gotta like figure out what I need, you know, yes. to explain. you know. That's
1: it because you're not only was it a treadmill, but it was a trajectory. Like we share, there's a lot of commonalities with like, you know, the business and us and how our businesses take off. And, you know, I had an idea, you had an idea. It was a great idea. Like, who know how, how great it was going to be and how much it was going to take off. And at that same time, you're making babies and you're trying to deal with your marriage. Them. Yeah, raising them and deal yeah. with, you know, you know co- co- communicating with a husband that's, you know, fairly new and still and all that yeah. stuff. So I think like, you know, we just, what happened to me and I, I know this enough to know this is what happened to you. When you were forced to slow down or things made you slow down, you, you were forced to listen to that voice in your head. You were forced to stop pushing it out, but like actually listen to some of the things that you already knew. Like I have to make a change. I'm moving too fast. Like I'm not doing anything that I love anymore. So how did you really finally tap into that world within yourself that is Ali Webb and that is not Drybar, that is not Karen Webb, that is Ali Webb? And how did you do that? I mean, I know you mentioned on site. I know uh, Brene Brown, who's a great inspiration to me. And I know even Gabby Bernstein was an inspiration to you. Like, let's talk about these women and on site and and how you got help and how you knew you needed it for your son. And and like, was that lesson that you went through also helpful in you being able to advocate for your child once you learn how to advocate for yourself? That's a lot wrapped up in there, but give
0: it to us. Girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a lot. And, you know, it was like when things were going, you know, right after we split and we were trying to like figure out, you know, what life looked like. And, you know, we had this like big house in studio city and we were like, do we stay in this house and like go back, you know, just like the logistics stuff is right. even weird. And for a little while, that's what we did. And I was just like, I was a mess. He was a mess. And, you know, I mean, I I like, I feel like a little bit ashamed of it. It's like we weren't really paying close enough attention to what was going on with their kids. I put them in therapy, you know, because I knew they needed sure. like an outlet, but I was just so broken and a mess that I, I wasn't like, you know, keyed into what was going on for them as much. And they, you know, so it was just such a weird reality. And and so as, you know, so I was like, I realized that I was like within like, I would say a few months of, of the split, I, I realized like I was a mess and you know, my kids were seeing me cry all the time. Like I was like, this is like, and so I, 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 I had, I started like trying to find, you know, resources. And that's when I came across actually, it was like this stupid guy I was dating when I, we first split, which like was such a disaster. And but the rebound, was, girl, rebound, be kind so, to yourself. A, I mean, <laughs> guy. I mean. I was just such a mess. And I knew that things were happening with my son, you know, that I wasn't I wasn't ready to see. And 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 the stuff that Grant went through, there was stuff that was like there way before the divorce. I think the divorce was just like the the straw that broke. It brings it to the surface. Yeah. yeah. But it turns out, and after he went through everything, he went through, there was so many other things there that that we hadn't been paying attention to for years, frankly. But, but the guy I was dating at the time was like you know, and this was like almost five, four or five years ago. I was like, he's like, have you heard of Brene Brown? And I was like, no, I didn't know who she was. I mean, she wasn't quite as big as she is now. Mm-hmm. And So I started watching her stuff and then I, you know, I was like, wow, she's amazing. You know? And I started reading all these books and, you know, some of the books at that time, but you probably read like Broken Open and oh, God, that book was so good. And, oh, um, uh, They're
1: great lady. What's her big,
0: yeah, that was a good one, and there there was a handful of them. I can see that Michael Singer has a book. I'm rereading it right now. I can't believe I can't think of it. And like every Oprah book under the sun, Gabby Bernstein, like all of that stuff. I started like ingesting all of this stuff, and that was really starting to help. And you know, I I had like reached out to Brene one day on DM, and she responded, and like we be kind of became friends. And she was so like she didn't know me, but she was. You know, so helpful to me. And she actually introduced me to Miles, who's the founder of OnSite or the CEO of OnSite. And then I, you know, I had the he called me the day after she introduced us and he and I just like basically cried to him for like, I mean, and now Miles and I are pretty decent friends, and I always kind of laugh at myself because that phone call was such a disaster. And I did go to OnSite. And you know, my at the time I asked my my dad to come out and stay with the boys and and looking back, like, you know, the boys were so crazy at that trip. Like my dad was like, they're not listening to me. And the grant wouldn't come home. Like it was like bad, yeah. but I know I mean, for better or worse, I needed to like fix myself and Off get my mask. Yeah, yes. exactly. And, and so I finally started to come out of it. And, and as I was coming out of it, it was like, Grant was like, you know, doing kind of a nosedive and, And, you know, we, and things were getting really bad for him. And, and, you know, he was like doing all sorts of crazy shit and, and Cam and I were not like on great terms. And then, you know, like a couple of things happened that we were like, oh, we got to get him help. And that's when we decided, you know, we found this like in, in like a treatment program in LA and, um, and and I'll tell you like the the silver lining of that was that it brought Cam and I together where we had to come together, you know? Yeah. And so we started having to be like in therapy together, which I wanted us to do therapy initially, but Cam was like, fuck you, no way. But then we ended up in therapy together, really dealing with their son. And that was really rough too, because like Grant was just so angry about things and Cam was angry and I was angry and upset. And he was just like, oh, it was so terrible, but it was bad for a while. And then it slowly got better, you know? And, and we realized that like Grant had like all this stuff going on for him that had been there for years that we weren't we didn't realize, like, I don't know if we could have and, you know, and slowly, but surely he, you know, it. he was gone for almost a year and a half, which was like terribly painful, you know, for because I mean, I just, I mean, you know, it's like, you love of your course kids. you want of
1: Yes. Selfishly, then, you want them near you. You want them around, but you have to give up to do what's good. Exactly. For them.
0: And it was, it was really torturous. And it was just like, I mean, we were all just such a mess. And, and, you know, a, another silver lining of that was Kit, my younger son, you know, as the second child, the second child never gets as much attention as the first one. It's like there's two. And, and, and it was another blessing in disguise because Kit and I's relationship wasn't that strong and Kit and Cam were always closer and me and Grant were always closer. And, and then when Grant was gone and Cam and I weren't together anymore. So when Kit would be with me, it would just be me and Kit. And so we really got closer and Kit was always like a tough little kid. And, he really pulled it together. I think he like, I mean, we've talked about it and he's like, you know, he's like, you guys were dealing with so much with grant. I didn't want to be more of a problem. And so he really like, you know, we really bonded and we got some real good time alone together, which we never had, which which was really awesome and a blessing too. And, and so, you know, slowly, but surely we started to like work through it and work out of it. And it's like, I mean, even like thinking about how our lives are now, it's like, it's so crazy because like, we're all so happy and life is like- I want to bring up like that good. point. I want to talk about that because as
1: your girl Gabby would say, Gabby Bernstein would say, the universe has your back. I want to bring up a couple of points for the listeners. First of all, on-site, it, you can Google it. On-site is out of Tennessee. Uh, they do workshops. You can go on, literally on-site and visit and stay there, but they also do online things. So if anybody's struggling with some of the things, they could absolutely use that as a resource. Um, I know Allie recommends it and Brene Brown recommends it. I joined the board of it because I Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. That's amazing that you're on the board. So even more so. So you've got someone who went through the system, is now on the board to help even better through her own experience. So Gabby Bernstein and Brene Brown, two amazing uh, females that are there to encourage us and to get us into our heads in the right way and thinking about the right things that we should be thinking about. So let's talk about the therapy for a second because – You just heard, you know, Ali saying like, oh my God, it was so painful. It was horrible. It was such a mess and it was terrible. And I want everybody to know that is therapy. It ain't easy. Yeah. My therapist says, thank you for tolerating me this week. Because (laughs) what happens is when we go and dig deep for those things that hurt us or those, I call them the shards of glass and the beautiful lawn. You know, Mm -hmm. my lawn looks beautiful, but on certain days I'm going to knock into that shard of glass that's sitting out there and it's going to cut me. I Mm -hmm. have to just recognize what that is. Like You know, our idiosyncrasies, they don't go away as we get older. The things that she loves about Cameron are still the things she loves about Cameron. And the things she didn't like will always be the things that bother her about him. They're not going to change. People don't change without a lot of work without yeah. a lot of reflection inside, right? Yeah. And so what happens is when you get to the other side, you learn to line up your idiosyncrasies, like your family, like, oh, here they all are. <laughs> yeah. and, and the fact that you went through it with your family, so what was traumatic and, and very, you know, was full of trials for everybody, brought you as a unit, as a community, as a family together that much stronger, understanding each other that much better, right? But that's the most important thing to
0: point out. As painful as it was, like, I would not change it. I wouldn't do anything differently. I'm so glad we all went through it. I mean, he's so so light years away from like probably most 17-year-olds because of what he's gone through. And we're so grateful for that. And he posted this thing the other day on his Instagram that was like, I'm going to butcher it, but something like, 1% 1% of what happens to us is reality. The rest is what we make up and what we think. And that's so like, that reminds me of what you're saying. Cause it's like, y- it is all fucking mindset. And it is like, it's a hard, like a- to me, it's like, it feels like a very abstract thing to map, wrap your mind around. So some of the businesses that, you, you know, you founded coming
1: out of business, like, okay, humans, like that is what you guys label the future of face-to-face talk therapy. Did you recognize the need for that when you guys were going through it? Like, we don't like going into this institutional like office, like we need kind of it's and it's kind of signature to what you do anyway, in terms of branding, which we're going to get into. But tell me, how did OK Humans start? And it was it because of your experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting it was so interesting the way it started. I mean, we we had already started Squeeze, which, you know, which we can backtrack and talk about in a minute, which is a massage concept, which is a similar kind of. Yeah to dry bar in a lot of ways, but, and until we were like, okay, we're, you know, we're on to this new phase at that time. We weren't like, you know, I mean, I'm still on the board and, you know, it's still a little bit of, I do a little bit of dry bar, but very little. And at the time, you know, Michael and I were kind of looking like for the next project. And so squeeze came about first and I'll tell you that story later. But so when I was in the midst of all that we were talking about and things were really bad and I was really struggling, I was walking, literally walking out of Squeeze one day in Studio City, walking down Ventura Boulevard. And this girl came up to me and she was like, You're Allie, right? And I was like, Yes. And she was like, My name is Christy. I've actually sent you a bunch of DMs. And she's like, I actually worked for you in the Palisades years ago. And then I went back to school and got my like marriage and family license, therapist license. And I was like, That's cool. And she's like, I, want to start a concept where it's like basically like therapy of like the dry bar of therapy, where it's like, it's, you know, it's in like a, like a shop, like a strip mall, kind of like dry bar is like, it's next to, you know, retail. And it just becomes this thing. Like you said, that's like, You know, you're popping into therapy and then you're going to go have lunch and then you're going to go get a blowout and all the things like making it like you're not going into some like, you know, old, weird medical building. It's branded really well, like basically creating an experience around therapy.
1: positive experience versus it's negative. I got to go to therapy like there's something wrong with me.
0: Right. And this cool space. And it's just like, you know, and of course, like there's all this liberation happening around therapy, largely because of like the craziness we've all lived through the last couple yeah. of years. Um, and people are and the definitely. the acceptance of it is
1: opening, which I think is really yeah. great with mental health awareness.
0: And totally. And, you know, we were thinking this three years ago, but it definitely has helped that that's, you know, that people are feeling like there's nothing wrong with therapy. Therapy is a great way to like talk your shit out and feel, you know, all the things. And so Chrissy, you know, approached me as I was walking out and my life was really upside down at that point. And I was like, Yes. I love this idea. And she had just had a meeting with Brittany, who is our co-founder and CEO of Squeeze and, and used to run marketing at Drybar and a dear friend of mine. And, you know, and I called Brittany right after I, you know, sat in, on Ventura Boulevard talking with Christy for 20 minutes. I called Brittany and I was like, this is a fucking great idea. Like, we, we should definitely do this. And she was like, I know, I love it too. And then we called my brother and he loved it too. And so, you know, we kind of have formed this umbrella company called the Feel Good Company, which houses Squeeze and OK Humans. It's a newer concept. And I think that there's, it's it's interesting now starting it and you can book on the app, you know, you can do all the things on the app and it's, it's definitely ramping up. But the, the need for it, I think, is that is, again, to just normalize Therapy and to get people excited about, hey, I can just pop it. Like in Brentwood, it's right next to Susie Cakes. You know, go get a cupcake, go to therapy. You know, (laughs) so you know, we just we feel like we really have something here, and it's the same, you know, founding team as as Drybar. You know, same architect, Cam did all the creative. So it's a really cool concept, and we're really proud of it.
1: I love that. So Squeeze was a a way better massage experience that you brought, and Okay Humans was like. The future of, of making face to face therapy something that was positive, you know, versus the we all know it's going to be work, right? But in all the businesses that you've started, there's always a need you're filling, right? So, squeeze is a better massage. Okay, human face it. we're going to get into jewelry too, which is Beckett and Quill, which is your newest passion. But you fill a need. So, like, I love that as an entrepreneur too. Like, I look at white space and I see the white space, and normally I do it as a consumer. If right. I'm not finding something as a consumer, then I'm like, I always take matters into my own hands. And totally. you say always, and by the way, I love this chick who went up to you outside a Squeeze who like gave you the Shark Tank pitch without needing <laughs> the Shark Tank <laughs> ticket and you totally. bought in. But it's risk versus drive. Let's talk about that. I know you talk about that as an entrepreneur a lot and, and what separates entrepreneurs. And, and yeah. you talk about risk versus drive, so share that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is a thing and, you know, it's like, I'm sure some people can like hone that muscle. And I think some people are just born with it. Probably like you and I, you know, it's like, I just, even when we were starting dry bar, you know, and I remember it was like in the middle of a recession, ironically, and we were actually opening in Brentwood gardens, which if you know that area, it was really dead, but I liked it because it was like a thoroughfare between like all of my clients that I was like doing from Beverly Hills to, the Palisades and Brentwood and whatever, but it was dead. And and that particular spot that we were opening in, I literally had people say to me, you know, every business that's been here has failed. And I was like, oh my God, you know, but, but I felt like, I really felt like I felt that this was going to work at at a very small scale. Like I was like, one store will definitely work. And if it doesn't, you know, we'll lose some money and that will suck, but like, no one's going to die. And like, everyone's gonna, And we'll get back on our feet and we'll do something else. And I think that's the difference between somebody who has, you know, an idea and is an entrepreneur and is, and doesn't have that, that they're not scared of risk. And I'm not scared of risk. I'm not scared of of trying. I'm such a like jump then think kind of person. Like I'm like, you know, and even it's, you know, as I was talking about it earlier, I was like, this is true. Of my divorce too is like I didn't think through right. the 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 devastation that was coming. Right. You know, I just thought like woohoo, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be divorced and I can date and I'm gonna have yeah. fun, blah blah blah. Like I thought of like all the good things that were to come of it, like none of the bad shit registered for me, which I think is true of like my business sense too, is like. I see all this greatness that's going to happen. And then you get a little weighed down with like all the shit that's going to go wrong, which it will, but like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really phase me. I'm just as such like life is short, take the leap, do the thing, fail, don't fail. Who cares? Just go and do it. And and yeah. I think like, you know, the pandemic has, has taught us that even more. I mean, you see so many people divorcing, you know, and then you see so many people getting together. I mean, Adrian and I were Six months into our relationship, And when the pandemic happened and we moved in together, which was risky, you know, it was like probably too soon, but it felt right. And we were like, let's just go for it, well, you know. And no right I, the rules to so your exactly, life is you. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's just how I kind of approach life. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's all okay, you know, but I think that that's is you the separation of, of like, you know, risk and being too safe. And something my brother has said for years that I love so much is don't let perfect stand in the way of progress. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I like, I love that one too. You got to just go. And it's like, it's perfect. never, it's, and by the way, it never is going to be perfect. Is there no, there's I'm no such thing. No, yeah, that's not so, the human
1: experience. Yeah. that's
0: just how I live.
1: Worry about problems as they come up. That's one of the things that Allie says, you know, just start, yeah. get going. You yeah. think, you know, everything or you need to know, or you need to know everything. And when you let go of that, that's right. when you expand is what you said. And when you let people in to help you, because that's the other thing that I want to just highlight about you. And we're going to get into the final place that you went for help is that you seek out help. You I seek guess. out services. You seek out help. You seek out on site. You seek out Bernay, You know what I mean? And you even seeked out a matchmaker. And we're going to talk about that. Find yourself bamboozled on how to launch your business into the world. You created beautiful content and now it's time to post it on your website, send it to your contacts, and share it on Instagram. But posting your creation everywhere includes reformatting, resizing, re-downloading, and re-uploading, and that's why there is issue. The world's leading digital publishing platform to help you import your designs and create derivative assets for web, mobile, social, email, and more. Whether you work for yourself or you're part of a team, Issue helps creators, marketers, designers, and really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. Issue takes your PDF images and text and transforms them. Issue's templates give you a native experience on desktop, mobile apps, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and all other social media. With Issue, what used to take hours now only takes minutes. You can get started with Issue Today for free, or if you sign up for a premium account, you'll get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code INMYHEART. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use promo code in my heart at checkout for your free account or for 50% off your premium account. That's issuucom slash podcast with promo code in my heart. Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. In the last year, rates of anxiety and depression have no doubt doubled in the United States, and with a rise in need, there is Cerebral, one of the few online services that provides prescription medication through a licensed provider and for one-third the price of traditional therapy. Remove the worry of having to wait weeks to get an appointment. Skip the pharmacy lines. save time and money. Medication ships straight to your door. And with the Cerebral mobile app, your personal care team is wherever you are. You can take your sessions on a laptop or a phone, and Cerebral is available to everyone with or without insurance. And if you're out a network, they'll provide you with the necessary paperwork so you can easily submit a claim. Simone Biles is their chief impact officer. She is a huge advocate for mental health, reducing stigma around getting treatment, and diversity in therapists. So everyone can get the treatment that they deserve and works for their lifestyle. Listeners of this program can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at cerebral.com inmyheart in my heart, go to cerebral.com inmyheart in my heart for 65% off your first month. That's just a total of $30 to get started. Join cerebral today. They're on a mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Now back to my show. You have a style and branding that are a signature of you. And part of that signature is run and ask questions later, you know, just start and get going. And that works for you even because nothing's going to be painless. You make luxuries like available to people. You make the things like a blowout, you know what I mean? Like massages, like therapy, which a lot of people can't afford or don't think they can afford. You make it approachable um, and more within reach to people. And so I love you for that because I think that that's really important. And that's signature to Allie Webb. So if you can see her business, if you think it's her business, it probably is because she has a style to everything that she does. Now let's talk about When did you know you were ready for love again? We got to end with Adrian, because I know you hired a matchmaking service called three-day rule. How did you decide the match.com or these dating apps were not going to work for you? Tell us about that journey a little bit.
0: Well, I think that I was even, even right after my marriage ended, you know, I was very like, I want to find a great love. Like I wanted that really badly. And what I, you know didn't know was that like I needed time before that could happen which I would you know everybody said to me you need at least a year by yourself and I was like no no I'm g-. and I did I started dating right away which was a disaster like I told you the first guy I dated it was a disaster and I realized I do need some time on my own I finally got this right. and I felt like I needed time to be okay on my own once I got to that point where I was like you know what I'm good that's when I met somebody, of course. Right. But the way it happened was I was on all the, I was on all the apps, like Bumble, match.com, hinge. You know, I was on Raya, which is like ridiculous. I mean, they were all ridiculous. And, And I had, I dated some guys from all of those places, but you know, what I found was like, I needed a very, or needed or wanted a very specific type of guy. And I wasn't right. finding him on the apps. it was like, right. you know, I was dating guys who were in their forties who'd like never been married and still wanted kids. And I was like, that ship has sailed, <laughs> you know, and it was just like a, a lot of things that just weren't right. And ironically, when, you know, we are actually not doing the podcast anymore, Adrian and I, we just kind of stopped doing it, which we haven't really publicly announced, but we're not doing it anymore. And I'm I'm working on something new, but we're not there yet, but All right, well, we can't wait to hear, yeah, but, um, at the time, Michael and I were doing uh, Raising the Bar and we had the founder of the three-day rule come on, Talia Goldstein. And it was very awesome timing because I had just stopped dating this guy that I was actually set up with. It was like a disaster too. And I was so, was so feeling defeated by it. And I was like, I really want to meet somebody, but I really have a specific criteria of what I want. And she came on the podcast. It's a great episode, which you know anybody can listen to. And she talks about, how she just always had this knack for matchmaking, and she would put people together that you'd never expect. And she right. was working at E at the time; but it was like had this like side hustle of matchmaking, and then she turned it into a real business. And I had actually been approached by like some of like the big New York matchmakers who were like hundred thousand dollars to hire, right. and I was like, "Who fucking pays that?" Like, right? No way, you know. And and so she was this was much more moderate and. I, you know, and she was like, listen, people, this is what got me. She's like, people prioritize, you know, their trainer, their nutritionist, their therapist, all these things, because they're important to us and we pay for them because they make our lives better. And yet love is like the ultimate. And like, everybody needs love. and Everybody wants that person. Like, but we're going to skimp on that, you know? And I was like, it's so true, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to sign up for the service. And I paid just like everybody else. And it was it was an interesting experience and these matchmakers like the business model is so fantastic i mean they basically you know it's this army of mostly women and they but now i, I ironically i didn't realize this at the time but and i think it's grown it's about like 40% of the people who sign up are men but adrian right. wasn't yeah. yeah adrian hadn't signed up they found him and that's what they do is they go find these guys like through Instagram and Facebook and like conferences and coffee shops and like, and you as the person who hires them, like I met with my matchmaker at a coffee shop. We talked about all the things I want, don't want what I like, like what non-negotiables, all that stuff. And even like, while we were at that coffee shop, we were sitting at blue bottle on Beverly in LA and a cute guy walked in and I was like, that guy's cute. And she's like, Oh, when you leave, I'll go talk to him. I was like, what? Like, what will you say to him? And she's like, well, I'll go up to him and I'll say, hey, my name's Becca. I'm a matchmaker. You're really cute. Are you single? And I was like, that's it. You know, and then most guys who are single will say yes. And then they go out on like the first date. They sit down, they have coffee with this guy. They talk to him and they get to know him. So to make sure that like, you know, it's all good. So. Anyways, you know, long story short, they, I did. I went through that whole process. They introduced me a couple of guys. Adrian was actually the third guy that I met, and uh, you know, I remember them sending me like his bio, and they sent him mine, and they had set him up with somebody else that wasn't a good fit, and and so he was a little skeptical about the whole thing, and then and then he met me, and
1: but ta-da, I love at yeah. first sight is how you describe it, which it is... really
0: was. I mean, we he actually called me before we met because we were texting first and then like he called me one day and I was like, I'm just not really a phone person. And I'm like, why are you calling me? And he's like, well, you know, we, I wanted to hear your voice. I wanted you to hear mine. And we ended up talking for like five hours into the wee hours. And I was like, that is
1: to those people out there dating. What I hear from my single friends is that with the apps, you can't get, you can't get past the chatting. Yeah. Like everyone's texting, chatting, texting all the time relationships start through communication of verbal right. communication. So he was kudos to him for calling you up because that, that was the hard. right move.
0: <laughs> I know. And it really was. I mean, I, I mean, I no joke. I feel like we fell in love in that first conversation. I mean, we yeah. could not get off the phone. We talked about everything under the sun and it was just, it was, it was magical. I also like liked his voice. I liked the way he was with me. Like, I just, I was like, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I really like this guy. And then I was going on a trip. I went out of town. I came back. He picked me up from the airport on our first date. Oh, that's we had amazing. Like, you know, a really, really long, amazing dinner. And it was like. Keeper like, in neon. Yeah.
1: Keeper in neon. Yeah.
0: And it's two years later, we're engaged and we're getting married in May. That's and amazing. I'll tell you what's what, what's the most astonishing thing to me as, you know, somebody who was married for so long and most of my relationships, even before I got married, after like a couple months, I would always get a little like you know, mm-hmm. like not as interested, like the sex wears off. Like Never satisfied. Yeah. But it's so different. And I don't know if it's because I'm in my forties and like my body chemistry is different. I don't know what, but we're like, I still feel like I felt that first week, which is just mind blowing to me. That's I mean, amazing. It's so mind blowing to me.
1: That's amazing. And you should keep feeling that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is for sure. And it's a, it's a warning sign. I mean, you're, they're engaged now. Congratulations, getting married in May. So this is truly the honeymoon phase and you know that. And if things are not good ever, people during this phase, that is a yellow flag
0: Yeah. because you don't have
1: to get married. You can keep a relationship. You don't have to have a contract. You know what I mean? Unless you decide financially, that's the reason for you. But you and Adrian, so he's a business coach. And so with your... The amazing, uh, you know, on the ground and in the heart that you have as an entrepreneur. Now you guys have come together with impact, right? You yeah. have you're doing retreats for CEOs, founders, uh, new uh, people who have new ideas that kind of are stuck. Talk a little bit about impact and the work that you're doing on your retreats together. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, he's a coach and he's coached founders and entrepreneurs for a long time, which is also so funny because I mean, talk about like a like a perfect match with us. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I had known him you know, five years ago when right. I was in the pros of Dry bar and could have really used a coach. Yeah, um, but, he would have prevented some straight knees. Oh my I God, he would, have, <laughs> he would have been really instrumental to me. And now I understand. And I, you know, I used to say to him when we first met, I'm like, do you just like give people advice? And he's like, no, I help people see things that they don't see. And, you know, and I'm like, oh shit. I mean, he's, he's really objectively brilliant. He's your our- cerebral match, girl. Oh man. And he's, so anyway, uh, you know, he does this for a living and he's always talking to, you know, founders and entrepreneurs. And I've always had this like desire to give back and to, I didn't go to college, but I feel like I got like an MBA on the job with building a oh, bar, and I've learned so much and, you know, definitely scrappy, but like, I just have this desire to give back where I can. And, you know, as you know, it's like, I, you know, people are constantly emailing me or, you know, DMing me, like, can I get like 15 minutes with you to have coffee? I'm like, I, it's just too hard to do that. But what, what, how does it look to give back in another way? And so Adrian and I started like talking more about this idea of the impact series where people can, you know, sign up and come and spend a weekend with us. And, you know, we really want like people who are really dedicated and really excited about this to do it. And, you know, we, so we just kind of like threw it together and we've done a couple of them and it's just been really amazing. And it's so interesting to see, you know, these founders who are early in the early stages of their companies and, to me, you know, from this like peripheral view, I'm like, oh, is this is so easy. Like they're struggling with this or that. And I'm like, you just have to do this or you just have to do that. And they just don't see it because they haven't. Right, because you've been through it. I know, yeah. I love it. See, yeah. I think
1: wisdom is meant to be shared. Like I was trying yeah. to do consulting and stuff and I was just like, let me just give free advice because it's yeah. too much in that way. Yeah. I, I agree with you.
0: It's You know, it's this weekend of like, you know, we're, we're in it with these people. We're helping, you know, they come with like what the challenges that they need help yeah. in. And, yeah. and, you know, I come at it with like a very real world, I've been through this shit. I know what this is like, and and here's what I know and have learned. And aging comes to through it with more like Practice. you know, w- you know, a different kind of view. So together, it's pretty impactful. Impactful. That, life, that's pepper. the name. I um, love it. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's that's great. Amazing. We're, we'll be announcing more and more of them. We have some really yeah. great people involved. So it's really cool. Well, I'd
1: love to, to have seen you really, you know, we met on Steve Harvey so many years ago as That's young cool. entrepreneurs. Yes. And I, I fell in love with you the first minute I saw you and now to just watch you. I mean, I saw on Instagram, you paying it forward. And now after you had so much darkness, you are now shining such a bright light for people. And I just appreciate you for that even more and all that you're doing. So How are you finding your freedoms? Like how now that you know all this wisdom, like how are you finding your freedoms?
0: I am definitely in like a reinvention period again, you know, as even like talking about like my story and my life, it's like, you know, I'm definitely back in this odd place where I'm like, you know, I have all these different projects going. We have all these different businesses. I, you know, I started the jewelry business Beckett and Quill with one of my good friends. And it was also to feel like a need. I was like, She's making jewelry that looks and feels high-end, but it doesn't cost the same. And right. I just, you know, it was like a personal, like, I love jewelry so much that I wanted to get involved in that. And I'm investing in businesses High-end, not high-spend. High high right. That's so. right. Which Cam, by the way, came up with that and helped us rebrand it. And that's, you know, kind of been my contribution is like helping get this like company to the next level. So that's been really exciting. And, you know, like I said, I'm in the throes of writing a book, which is like, as you know, is just so... Cathartic and gut wrenching and hard and you know it took me like a year to do the proposal and now I'm actually literally in the process of pitching it and trying to sell it so fingers crossed on that and 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 I have a couple other ideas and projects that are in the works too and I'm just at this point I'm just like throwing a lot at the wall seeing what sticks I've joined a couple of boards I'm on the board of Onsite like I said I'm also I joined the board of a company called Ideal Image which is like this really amazing medical spa and they're doing really cool things and. It's just you know I feel so lucky. I mean, there's days where I'm like, ah, I feel really lost. Like, who am I? Where am I? And then there's days where I'm like, I fucking love my life. You know, I mean, it's such a like roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. it's about is. the human
1: experience. Gosh,
0: it's so, <laughs> it's just so up and down. And you know, and then you know, not to mention like building a life with Adrian and he has little kids and my kids are much older. And so we're learning how to blend our families and deal with our exes. And it's just like you know, every yeah. day is like a new adventure around here. And but I love it. You know, I am taking every day on as a new adventure is your freedoms right now. Well, Ali Webb, there's so
1: much happening. Where can I guess our guests find you if they don't already follow you and find out all this great stuff you have going on?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think right now my Instagram is probably the best hub for everything between all of my businesses and everything that's going on. I'm working on putting my own website together, which is a slow process, but just Ali Webb. Instagram is probably the Perfect. best place to find me. And it's where I kind of announce everything that's going on. So and she's
1: A-L-L-I for those yeah. people who don't know, W-E-B-B right. is Ali right. Webb is her Instagram. I thank you so much to my guest and friend, Allie Webb. You're such a delight and inspiration. I thank you so much for your time and sharing the messy parts. We appreciate you. And we're going to keep our eyes on you because I know we don't even know what's next. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, this was
0: amazing. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you, honey. And I hope to see you soon. If I get my butt out to LA anytime soon, I'll be calling you. And if you come to New York, let me know.
0: I will.